So we're in the season of Advent, second week, and Advent means arrival. And it's a season of waiting for a good arrival. Like when you're looking at your phone and there's the three dots going because you're waiting to find out what they've named the baby. Or like when you're anxiously watching the doors at airport security to see if they're going to be the next ones to walk through. It's the season of waiting for Jesus, waiting for him to be born, waiting for him to come again, waiting for light at the end. And the scripture lessons this season, they aren't random. They're drawn from a group of lessons that the church has read for centuries to pull us into that space of waiting. And this, the second Sunday of Advent, Scripture calls our attention to the figure of John the Baptist, also called John the Forerunner because he was God's prophet who went before Jesus to announce who Jesus was, to announce the salvation that Jesus was bringing. This is an icon of John the Forerunner by the contemporary iconographer Bill McNichols. John is often depicted with wings because his status as a messenger was like that of God's angels. John's a unique figure in the Bible. He is the final prophet in the long history of Israel's prophets. John, Jesus calls him the greatest man ever born. And before Jesus begins his public ministry at age 30, John had already established a reputation for himself. He was unrelenting in naming the wrongdoings of the society, and he didn't even spare the rulers, which is what eventually got him killed. And he was calling the people of Israel to repentance, to the act of ritual washing or baptism out in the wilderness by the Jordan River. But our passage this morning isn't about John's ministry. It takes us back to the birth of John, just six months before Jesus' own birth. Now, some context helps to understand the story of John's birth. An angel had appeared to John's father, Zechariah, and he told Zechariah that he and his wife, Elizabeth, who were old and childless, we're going to have a son, and they were going to name him John, and that son was going to prepare Israel for the arrival, the advent of their Messiah, their Savior. And Zechariah said, and I'm sort of paraphrasing here, no way. And the angel said, since you didn't believe me, you're going to be deaf and mute until what I've said comes to pass. And nine months go by, and that's where our story picks, off. It picks up. These relatives, can you believe these people? They're not going to let mom name the kid. And they turn to Zechariah, and they say, What's his name? And Zechariah scribbles, his name is John, just like the angel said. And instantly his tongue is loosed and his ears open and he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he praises God. And it's what Zechariah says next, Luke 1, verses 68 to 79, that we're really going to focus on today. This passage of scripture, Zechariah's song, is traditionally known as the Benedictus, for the first word in the Latin translation. Blessed Benedictus be the Lord God of Israel. The Benedictus is said or sung every day in Anglican morning prayer after the second scripture reading. And I want us to sink into these words that the faithful have prayed for millennia because there's a logic to Zechariah's song and I want to show us what it is that Zechariah under the influence of the Holy Spirit is saying. Now the thing about the Benedictus is it's super dense language, it's a quilt made out of scripture so I can't just sum it up, we need to put it under a magnifying glass and do a deep dive together, and so I really encourage you to follow along, whether that's on your Bible app uh, or a Bible that you brought, or you're in your pew Bible, it's on page 58 of the New Testament. They start renumbering toward the back. 58 of the New Testament. We're looking at Luke 1, starting at verse 68. The Gospel according to Luke, verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 68, page 58 in your pew Bible. All right, so line by line, here we go. Verse 68. 
Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. It's the first word Zechariah has spoken in nine months, and he begins with this right off the bat. What's blessed mean? Like, it's one of those words that you know what it means until you have to go tell someone what it means, which is what occurred to me when I was preparing this sermon. Like, hashtag blessed on social media, or that means something like lucky or fortunate or doing well or look at me, but that's not what's happening here. The original languages, though, they shed some light. Benedictus in Latin, eulogetos in Greek, that means spoken well of or good speech. It's where we get benediction and eulogy from, to speak well. So Zechariah, he's been mute, and his first words are to say, the Lord God of Israel is worthy of good speech, of praise. I draw in breath and my tongue's gonna shape words and when I speak of the Lord, let it be praise and adoration. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Still verse 68, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. Why is God to be spoken well of? Why is God to be blessed? Because he's looked on his people or visited his people and redeemed them. Now here and throughout Zechariah's whole song, he's using language taken straight out of the Jewish Bible. He's not just making this, this is a free composition on the spot. He's, he's composing a song of sorts out of quotes from the Bible, a scripture that he knew down to his bones. It's like a verbal collage. And he's doing this to connect what's happening in his day with some key events in the history of the Jewish people as they awaited their promised savior. And here, as he says, God has visited and redeemed his people. He's saying that what's happening in his times is like the Exodus. The Exodus is when God visited and redeemed his people out of slavery in Egypt 1,500 years beforehand. The Exodus, it's the most important event in Jewish history. God remembering and redeeming his people. God didn't forget his people and their, and their slavery. God came to rescue. God came to set free. And so what Zechariah is saying here is now that the coming Lord that Zechariah's baby John is going to prepare the way for, this is like that. It's that big of a deal. Verse 69, he has raised up a mighty Savior for us. He has raised up a mighty Savior. Well, this is kind of interesting, right? Because Zechariah is not talking about John here. He's talking about Jesus, who hasn't been born yet. So how is this something that has happened? Well, we might think about this as the prophetic past tense, and it should give us some comfort. Because it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to have happened. It's as good as done. You can count on it. And Zechariah can say this because he's seen the first part of the angel's words come true. He's seen his son born, and so the rest. Has raised up a mighty, a mighty savior for us. Not just a savior, but for us. And us is everyone, it's you, it's me. It's coming, it's as good as done, nothing to do but wait and watch. Verse 69 still, raised up a mighty savior for us in the house of his servant David. Oh, here's Zechariah tying in another ancient prophecy, that God would raise up a descendant of King David who lived a thousand years before Zechariah to rule his people. Exodus 1500 years, Zech King David a thousand years, a mighty savior from David's house, David's line, and that was Jesus. Jesus was a descendant of David. Verse 70, raised up a savior as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. And here Zechariah is bringing in the whole line of the prophets of Israel. Because you see, the Jewish history had been in many respects an unhappy one, suffering in foreign exile and under the thumb of foreign invaders. And for centuries, the prophets of Israel had promised redemption. It's not always going to be like this. As he spoke through his prophets, verse 71, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. So for centuries, the prophets had said, 
the oppression won't last forever. God will be true to God's promises. The people will be saved from the ones who hate them. But the last prophet had been Malachi, about 500 years before Zechariah. And God had been silent ever since. So think about that. 500 years of oppression, but counting on an ancient promise that it would someday end. Verse 72, thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant. Thus, meaning by visiting and redeeming his people, by raising up a mighty savior, by doing this now in Zechariah's day, God has shown the mercy promised to all the people who had lived before. And he's remembered his holy covenant. What covenant? Glad you asked. Zechariah has an answer for us. Verse 73, the oath that he swore to our forefather Abraham, our ancestor Abraham. Okay, so we've seen how Zechariah is tying his day to the landmarks of Jewish history, right? He's brought in the Exodus 1,500 years ago, King David 1,000 years ago, the prophets uh, up to 500 years earlier. See the pattern? We've got 500-year increments going. But now he's taking a leap over all of it and going all the way back 2,000 years to Abraham, the ancestor, the founding father of the whole Jewish people. And the promise that God made to him, the oath that God swore by himself, that he would bless Abraham's children to be God's people. Verse 74, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And that's why blessed be the Lord God of Israel, because God has proven God's self true to a promise that he made 2,000 years prior. A promise that's reaffirmed throughout the history of the Jewish people and finally brought to fruition in, in Zechariah's day with the coming of Jesus. The promise that a wandering and a wayward people would be reunited with their God. Zechariah is taking the long view here. And what's promised is as good as done. My, my, my. And it's to the promised Jesus that Zechariah now pivots. Verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. He's talking to his infant son, a baby eight days old, and he's naming this baby a prophet of the Most High. No prophet's been seen in 500 years. But this child will be a prophet because, still verse 76, you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, just like the angel told Zechariah in the temple. Your son is going to prepare a people to receive the salvation of their God. He's going to be like the lead motorcycle cop in the motorcade, sirens going, lights flashing, so you know someone important is coming down the street. Verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation of his people. That's what's coming. It's rescue, it's healing, it's wholeness, it's salvation. Salvation, but salvation how? Still verse 77, by the forgiveness of their sins. And that's how salvation's happening. Forgiveness of sins. Because that's why this 2,000 year history has been so tragic, because God's promise remained consistent, but the people were consistently sinful, and they wandered away from God over and over and over again. But now those sins are going to be forgiven, and now Zechariah concludes. Verse 78. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us. Now we're in the future tense. Now this is what's coming. God's mercy is sending light like the dawn. And why? To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet in the way of peace. That's where we are. That's where God wants us to go. 
Imagine, imagine that you went on a hike and you got lost and you didn't make your way back in time and darkness fell and you didn't know where you were. And, and imagine it was cold and imagine you could hear the wolves around you and imagine you wanted to get home and imagine you were afraid. And kids are afraid of, afraid of the dark, but grown-ups sometimes too, sorry, that's what I call adults, I've got little kids, grown-ups sometimes too, have experiences of the dark where it's scary. You ever been in the dark and it's scary? But then out of nowhere, this blazing light, a dawn where you expected no dawn, showing a path where you saw no path, showing your feet the way home, the way to peace. Benedictus Deus Israel. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. But maybe you still struggle to have faith. Like, that's one thing for Zechariah to say. But what about us? Like, how do we believe in all this stuff? And if you come to church or you tune in online, it's easy to look around and look at everybody else and think like, they're all rock solid convinced, what's wrong with me? But I promise that's not true because I talk to you and I hear your stories, I know that faith isn't easy. And it couldn't have been easy for Zechariah either, to be honest, 500 years since the last prophet, 500 years, the Jewish people suffering under the Roman Empire that felt eternal in its power. How could Zechariah believe in God's promise? I mean, it turns out he didn't, right? Even an angel shows up and he's like, meh. But here's the thing, faith isn't just being able to go through a list of doctrines and tick them off. What Zechariah shows us as he sings over his baby boy is a faith that looks like taking the long view instead. He assembles this quilt of scripture, this verbal collage, and listen, the references go so much deeper than we could go this morning. And the way Zechariah is connected to this history, this promise of faithfulness is his knowledge of scripture, his connection to God's word. And in the new year, we're going to invite St. Paul's to do the E100 challenge. It's a, a habit of daily Bible reading that walks through a hundred of the most essential passages of scripture. Taking the Bible as a whole book, getting that whole picture, taking that long view will cover the history of God's faithfulness. You should do it. It's going to be great. We're going to have more information on this in the coming weeks. But a faith that takes the long view, that kind of faith, is a faith that you're a little part, a little part of a story that started before you and is going to finish long after you. But it's a story. And nothing in a story is accidental. Everything in a story has its place. And that's something to hang on to when God's timing is hard. Because the story God's, Zechariah sings about is the story of God's promise, and it's a long story. Think about it, time-wise, Zechariah was as far from Abraham as we are from Zechariah. 2,000 years. Our years on earth, we're like dandelions, we're like mayflies, here today, gone tomorrow. And there were lots of people over those 2,000 years between Abraham and Zechariah who were just kind of in between. They didn't live the Exodus, they didn't see King David, they didn't hear the prophets, they just lived with the knowledge of God's promise. And maybe they struggled, I'm sure they struggled. And if you struggle with faith, I wonder if those people might be a kind of inspiration for you. Because God's promise doesn't come with an expiration date. God doesn't wander or stray. Sometimes God feels far away, but it's a feeling. That's not the truth. So how might your story change if you could take the long view? If you could see your story as just a paragraph, just a line, maybe just a word, 
in that eternal story of God's faithfulness. If your story was part of God's story, and it is, where would your benedictus come from? Your blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Where has God been in your life? What has God done in your life? And listen, I'm not assuming it's all good. I know many of you have suffered unimaginable loss, I mean, horrific pain. Maybe you're in the middle of that right now. I'm not saying it's okay or easy. All I'm saying is stories change when they're part of a bigger story, when it's a chapter, not the whole novel. When the story doesn't start and stop with yours, and the losses you've suffered, the griefs you've endured, there's salvation, there's peace at the end. Because the God who swore an oath to Abraham never stopped being faithful, and he hasn't stopped today. It's as good as done. And the light of Jesus breaks upon us still, staggering us with beauty, guiding us staggering home. So keep waiting, because the dawn is coming.